Hey there, and welcome to Now on Netflix, your podcast that helps you sort through the billions of choices on Netflix and decide what to add to your watch list. We're the only official What to Watch podcast coming to you from inside the Netflix headquarters. I'm Henry Goldblatt, executive editor of Todoom.com, Netflix's site made for and dedicated to fans. And I'm thrilled to be here with my friend and co-host Jessica Shaw from SiriusXM. Hi, Jessica. Hello, Henry. And I'm thrilled that neither one of us is at Burning Man. I have never been more happy about anything in my entire life. Same, 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 same. Coming up on this episode, we'll talk about some of the latest news around the Netflix headquarters. We're going to dive deep into Virgin River Season 5. There's a lot of juicy drama going on. And finally, speaking of juicy drama, we'll be talking about the second season of Selling the OC, the Selling Sunset spinoff that debuts tomorrow. Jessica, what do baby gorillas and democracy have in common? Um, other than everything? No, I don't know. What do they? They, um, they like picking flies out of their loved ones. <laughs> Fair enough. You're going to have to bear with me because it's a bit of a tenuous connection, but we'll give it a try. Netflix is starting to live stream baby gorillas from the Cleveland Zoo. There's also a contest to name one of the gorillas. So America's long experiment with democracy continues. Oh, my God. Like, I, I have so many questions about this. First of all, how cute are the baby gorillas? Adorable. Second question, what do you win if you if they choose the name that you provide? That I'm not sure about, but beginning today, um, Netflix is hosting a four-episode live stream from the zoo, and you can see the whole gorilla family, and you can vote on three possible names for the gorillas. Obviously, this is what I'm doing the second I leave here, and I might vote multiple times. This feels very American Idol in, like, the aughts. It sure does. So if you're interested on voting on this gorilla's name, a voting concludes September 12th at midnight, and the name is going to be revealed in the second episode of this live stream. So you may want to check it out. Um, also in Netflix news, um, The Crown is coming out this fall, and Todoom.com had a sneak peek at the wedding invitation between Charles and Camilla um, that will take place during season six of The Crown. It looks very similar to the original wedding invitation. And we have all sorts of coverage on todoom.com, but the thing that really struck me in reading all this and talking to our writers who reported on it is that the public perception of Camilla and Charles at that point in time when the wedding happened versus um, now has changed entirely. So it'll be interesting to see how the world views it through um, the current lens of Camilla and Charles. It's always so interesting thinking about an actual person who is in a series that is inspired by real events. We as an audience are challenged. And I think with Camilla, it's been such an interesting journey as a viewer, as someone I love the series The Crown. And I really had to question my own feelings and my own biases against Camilla and what was leading into that, what was fact what was a factor in that, in how I felt about her, and then really think about that and reevaluate that as I was watching the series. The Crown is coming out this fall, and it's going to be going over territory that is very familiar to current audiences. We are going to see Will and Kate fall in love, and there was a lot of hype around who is going to play those roles. Um, and this is all stuff that's now in recent memory. It's going to be interesting to see public reaction in the more recent past versus things that happened 50 years ago. 
Jessica, it's been the summer of John Corbett. He, of course, starred as Aiden in the Sex and the City continuation series and just like that and had a memorable turn there this year and is now coming to big screens tomorrow in My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3. And the little bit of Netflix connection here is that My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2 is going to be streaming and you're a fan of the franchise, dot, 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 right? If by franchise you mean the first movie, then yes. Uh, But that said, there is history. I mean, there are things that I need to know before I watch three. So obviously now I feel like I have to watch two. Yeah, I do too. And especially after being inundated with John Corbett all summer, like I have a newfound appreciation for the franchise and perhaps his acting as well. Yes, but I also have some residual anger based on my feelings about Aiden Shaw from this summer. Therefore, I hope that I can be uh, pure of heart enough, if you will, as I approach the uh, parts two and three of the My Big Fat Greek franchise as far as the character of Ian. So if you're interested in brushing up on My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2, it is hitting Netflix on September 16th. I am thrilled to welcome Jean Bentley to Doom.com's resident virgin river expert to the show as our special guest. Jean, it's so good to see you. Hello. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you for joining us. So first off, please get us up to speed on what's going on in this bucolic burg of Virgin River. I mean, it's bucolic, but it is also messy. There's a lot of drama in this town. I mean, the drama is insane. Like this season alone, I feel like there's murder. There's a real interesting new drug dealer who comes to town. It's such a soap opera. And lots of illness, too. Yes, exactly. Okay, so the big things you need to know is that our heroes are Mel and Jack. Mel is a nurse practitioner who has moved to Virgin River from the big city of Los Angeles. And she falls in love with Jack and they've had a lot of back and forth. But right now, as we know, heading into season five, they are engaged and Mel is pregnant. She's going to have his baby. And that is for real. They actually tested it because he thought his ex-girlfriend Charmaine was pregnant with his babies with twin boys. But she told him at the end of last season that they're not his. Okay, so there's that. Then there's the drug dealers. Okay, there's a drug dealer, the new drug dealer in town, who is um, maybe going to pull one over on Jack. But Jack might become involved in the drug trade in a way that he did not realize before. Okay, so there's that. And then let's not forget about the kidnapping, murder, self-defense situation of Paige the former bakery truck owner in Virgin River and and friend of Preacher's who um, was in a fight with her evil ex-husband's also evil twin brother. And he was unconscious at the end of the season and Preacher and Paige were there. And it felt like a little bit of deja vu because guess what happened with Paige's ex-husband? Kind of the same thing. And then everybody seems to have health problems. Oh, my God. Yes. Okay. Okay. So Doc has a macular eye degeneration, which I suppose in like normal people terms would be um, he's got eye problems, which is hard because he's a doctor, as you can probably tell by his name, Doc. And then there's Hope, who is Doc's wife, who is also the mayor, 
who is recovering from a traumatic brain injury she suffered in a car accident at the end of season three. So things aren't great there. And then Doc, who has just discovered that he has a grandson. He didn't even know he had a son. Doc's grandson, Denny, um, has told everyone that he suffers from Huntington's disease, which is a rare neurological disease that is, in fact, fatal. So there's a lot happening here. Now, Jean, this is based on a series of beloved books. And how close would you say that the series hews to the books? I think the best part about the books versus the show is that there are so many books and so there's so much to draw from. So there's so many things that are pulled from the books, but in reality, well, in reality, in Virgin River reality, really only about a year has passed between season one and season five, which we're about to experience. Are all of these storylines based in the books or is the writer's room at the beginning of every season just like we are just coming up? Here is our list of ailments. Here is our list of like paternity issues. We're getting to all of it. You know, I think it's a little bit of both. I also think that like if you really pull back on Virgin River, there's drugs, there's kidnapping, there's a love story, there's all this. But if you think about it, it's really a little bit of a medical procedural, right? (laughs) So true. There is a big plot twist coming up as if these town residents don't have enough on their plates. There's a big wildfire going on. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So this is something that affects the Western United States. It affects Canada. If, I mean, it's been affecting the entire world, as we know from from things that are happening now. And I think that Virgin River wanted to kind of shed a light on what happens in this kind of crisis. So we see a fire headed towards Virgin River. And over a couple episodes, it grows and grows until it's kind of imminent. It's it's on their doorstep and everybody in town has to kind of band together and save the day, really. It's heartwarming, but it's also really tragic. And it wouldn't be Virgin River if the big wildfire also didn't deliver somebody a love interest. Of course, of course. And that person is... I'm going to I'm going to say it. Is that okay? Sure. I can say it. Okay. Listen, preacher got a girlfriend. Okay. He's had some hookups. He's had some he's met some lovely women in the past, but we finally get to see preacher embarking on an actual relationship. And it's with this person who is also kind of a badass firefighter, which I think makes for a really lovely pairing because Preacher's like a lovely mild-mannered chef, but he's also a former Marine. So I think this pairing with a woman who's also really strong and knows how to get stuff done and and is really competent is is a really great uh, dynamic between them. I also love that for Preacher because I feel like he's always helping other women. He's just, and he never does anything. He doesn't care for himself, Jean. And so I really think that this is a season for self-care for Preacher. I agree. He doesn't care for himself. He's always looking out for everybody else. But finally, he has someone who maybe will also want to look out for him too. It's it's really great. Now, you were on the set of Virgin River as they were filming this season. Tell us about what that was like. I can finally, I couldn't even tell my parents about this. Can I tell you how cool this was? They were filming two upcoming episodes that will be released actually in November when I was on set because they're filming holiday episodes. So I got to see Virgin River at Christmas time. And that was very cool. But it also meant that I couldn't tell anyone what was happening because nobody knew there were Christmas episodes. It was Really, really cool to see 
the whole setup. And also, they say this a lot on the show that Virgin River is a family and everybody kind of comes together. And like, not to be really cheesy, but that is what it's like on set. Everybody's a family. Everybody's so proud of what they're doing. Everybody works really hard. And to be able to kind of step in and observe this family in action was truly amazing. Are you allowed to tell us where they film? Okay, so they film in Vancouver. They're based in Vancouver, British Columbia, but they film all around British Columbia because, you know, as you know from watching the show, there's these beautiful vistas, beautiful redwood forests, beautiful lakes. So they kind of film all around and then their sound stages are based um, just outside of Vancouver. So it is really wild to kind of walk on set and feel like you're actually in Mel's cabin. But in reality, Mel's cabin, the the exterior is, I believe it's in a public park and it's like actually been sinking into the ground for many years. So they like thought for a second that they weren't going to be able to use the exterior of Mel's cabin at all this season because it was like sinking. What are you talking about? That's a season six plot. That is like, that is waiting to happen. My cabin is sinking into a sinkhole, like coming up next season on Virgin River. I know, I know it's wild, but luckily between the scheduled maintenance of the cabin by, you know, the British Columbia government and and everything, it, it did work out that they were able to film there. So don't worry, you'll see Mel's cabin, you'll see Jack's bar, you'll see the beautiful lake, you'll see the beautiful redwoods. It was really amazing. Can we talk about the new drug dealer? Because she was not what I was expecting. When when I heard, oh, there's a drug dealer coming to town. Yes, the new drug kingpin, Melissa, who is, by all appearances, just a a nice suburban uh, lady, but she's got a secret. And that secret is that she's like a terrifying drug dealer. (laughs) She looks like she would deliver cookies to your door, not fentanyl. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and I, to be honest, I think she might deliver the cookies because she just gets people to do her dirty work for her. And one of those people is Brady. And you might say, oh, no, I thought Brady was going to be on the up and up this season. And you'd be right. So, you know, there's a little twist in there. Um, Brady has a good heart. So we will see how that plays out. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like people lump certain shows on Netflix together, like Firefly Lane, Virgin River, Sweet Magnolias, Ginny and Georgia. And maybe it's a little bit sexist. Maybe it's that a lot of women watch these shows. But I'm curious, what is the mood that you need to be in to watch a Virgin River if you've never started? If you're a Virgin River virgin, if you will. If you are a Virgin River virgin, you need to be in the market for mess. You need to be in the market for drama. You need to be in the market for every single terrible thing that could possibly happen in one place to happen in this one place. Its looks are deceiving. It's so beautiful, but so dangerous, really. I like it because it really um, spans the spectrum. It's like it's got some of the scandal of Ginny and Georgia, but then it also has some Little House on the Prairie vibes. Jessica, I was going to say something similar, which was I got major Firefly Lane vibes from this show. And it reminded me a lot of that. So if you're a fan of Firefly Lane, you might want to check this out. Any other shows that come to mind? Despite the fact that we've really seen Virgin River kind of like spring, summer, whatever, there is something about Virgin River that feels autumnal to me. I think it's just there's a lot of trees and I don't know what that says about me, but I'm like trees. Oh, fall. OK, uh, but any anything that you want to like 
be cozy while watching. So like a Gilmore Girls, maybe like you said, a Firefly Lane, something cozy, something you'd want to like drink a cup of cocoa or, you know, tea or something. Wrapped up in an afghan. Yeah, big, big sweater, big blanket. Yeah, that's that's what I would say. It's sort of like herbal tea. It can be very calming and soothing, but it could also be fatal. It's talking about real issues. It's talking about wildfires and and how that is going to affect our climate. It's talking about pregnancy loss. It's talking about all of these things. Despite all the horrifying things that happen in Virgin River, it's a comforting show. So if if you're looking for for a comforting watch, I think that's what it is. And That does sound crazy when we have just talked about fentanyl dealers and kidnappings and like tragic loss. However, it is feel good because everybody works together. Everybody loves each other and everybody's trying to do the right thing. And on that note, Gene, thank you so much for joining us today. And if you want to read more of Gene's Virgin River coverage, go over to dadoom.com. Now we're going to move 2,000 miles down the west coast of Canada and the U.S. to Orange County, California, and talk about Selling the O.C., which is entering its second season and premiering tomorrow. Jessica, I feel like the one thing that everyone needs to know about Selling the O.C., and then you'll be fine, is that everyone is named Alexandra. Uh, Truly every single person, and God bless them, they put out a casting call, and there is a new person joining this season whose name is also Alexandra. They try to make it easier for us by having them go by their last names, which feels slightly unnatural, but I'm grateful for it. Oh, um, absolutely. Like I now, and they all now refer to them by their last names as, you know, everyone will be like, oh, Hall did this and Hall did that. There's Hall, there's Jarvis, there's Rose, and there's Allie Harper, who is the former Miss Tennessee slash Miss America contestant. I love that she starts the season as Allie, but then just decides to be Alexandra like the rest of them. Uh, Yes, absolutely. She also, spoiler alert, might even get a real estate license. (laughs) Speaking of, we should tell everyone what this show is about. Jessica, do you want to tell everyone about Selling the O.C.? It's a spinoff of Selling Sunset, and it is just an absolute blast. It's like very attractive real estate agents selling homes that are like, I don't know, 30 million, 40 million. They're insane. There's one episode where there is quite literally a $45,000 kitchen sink faucet. What separates this show from Selling Sunset, I think, is two reasons. One, um, there are male real estate agents with the women, so that creates an entirely new dynamic in the office, which creates a lot of sexual tension and a lot of hookups. And that drives a lot of the plot line for this um, season. And then secondly, somehow those houses are more extravagant and expensive. Like I wasn't expecting that, but like we're dealing with 40, 45 million dollar homes. There's a lot more drama going on this season than there was last season, specifically because one of the agents, Tyler, was married and is now divorcing from the actress, Brittany Snow, perhaps because he had affairs with some of the colleagues in his office. And I don't know. The first season left me kind of flat. This season, I am all in. The drama is just super intense. As you said, this is not a flirtation with one person. There are multiple co-workers who he is. I mean, I don't want to spoil some of the drama, but you will find things out over the course of the season. 
Absolutely. And Jason and Brett Oppenheim, who own the agency, pop down occasionally to check in on their colleagues and see how they're doing. And at one point they say, this meeting is a whole lot better than the one we had in Los Angeles. So maybe this group of agents is um, exceeding their expectations. Season two is out tomorrow. And if you're a fan of Selling Sunset or the first season of Selling OC, we'll hope you check it out. And that's going to do it for this episode of Now on Netflix. Uh, Next week, don't miss part one of our fall preview, where we'll be sharing the movies and documentaries you don't want to miss in the upcoming months. And you can find this podcast every Thursday at your friendly neighborhood podcast store. Jessica, thank you so much for joining me. And I hope you'd agree, maybe their next spinoff should be Selling Virgin River. Uh, hell yes. 